Blog Talk Radio. And good afternoon, folks. I am your host, Fred Houston, and welcome to the Stone and Tile Show. A couple of quick announcements before we get started on today's topic, which is going to be doctored stone and resin stone, and some of the problems that I've seen over the years uh, with those particular uh, those two particular issues. Uh, anyway, uh, I wanted to mention that I have done my fourth uh, video blog, so if anyone wants to see that video blog, this time it was on stain removal. It goes through the whole poulticing procedure and everything. Just go ahead and uh, send me an email at F Houston, that's F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N at gmail.com and I'd be more than happy to email you back the link and you can subscribe to that video blog. I'm going to start doing those while well, I have been doing those uh, every single week and posting them usually on Sunday or, or first thing Monday morning and it's it's nothing more than just a short little video uh, a couple minutes to maybe five ten minutes long just showing you some things that I obviously can't show you over the radio so take a look at that. Uh, the second thing I wanted to mention is actually uh, two things. It's an announcement and a question. Uh, as you're aware, I'm doing my stone and tile inspection and troubleshooting class coming up in DeBerry, Florida, which is just north of Orlando this June 17th through the 20th. And some, a couple of people have asked me, well, Fred, is this a, just a, a seminar for inspectors only? And the answer to that is no. Uh, there's a lot of good information in this seminar on troubleshooting. So if you're in the restoration business, the fabrication business, if you're an installer, this is a great class. We go over a lot of different different things when it comes to uh, stone and tile installations, restorations, fabrication issues, etc. So if you want to sign up for that seminar, I'm keeping the class low in numbers down to around 10 max, uh, and it fills up pretty quick. So and I've already got people signing up. So give me a, a call at my cell phone number, which is 321 321- Five one four six eight four five. Okay, let's get to today's topic, and that is the first thing I want to talk about is resin-based stone. And I, I want to start out with a story that uh, I used to get all the time from fabricators. Uh, years ago, I remember attending one of the seminars at, at one of the trade shows, and they were introducing, you know, some of the engineered materials that are out there. Uh, you know, the, the Zodiac, the Cambria, the Caesar Stone, etc. And oh, I, I probably at that time saw 30 or 40 fabricators that were just, you know, I'm not carrying that crap. That's just, you know, I'm not carrying that fake stuff. I'm a real stone guy, blah, 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 blah. Well, what's real interesting is that we are now taking natural stone and injecting it with the same resins that this engineered material is made of. So in essence, what we're doing is we're turning some of this natural stone into uh, an artificial, not not really an artificial stone per se, but having the same properties, in other words, as the engineered materials, which we'll talk about some of the advantages and disadvantages in in a minute. But for those of you unfamiliar with the resining process, there's obviously a couple different ways stones can be resined. Primarily today, it's being done with granites, although I have seen it done uh, with other stones, uh, some of the quartzites. Uh, never really seen it done with marble. Now, I've seen color applied to marble, but I don't think I've ever seen it resin. It's just too dense a material to get some of the resins in. But anyway, basically, 
I remember years ago going to a quarry over in Italy, and I was watching them resin stone, and they were basically just taking the slabs, laying them flat on a table, mixing their polyester resin, and just pouring it on there with a squeegee, and then wiping it off and then sending it to the polishing line. Today, it's a lot more sophisticated. Uh, They have polishing lines, all automated systems, uh, which basically takes the slab, sends it through a drying oven, uh, dries it out really good. And that's important because you need to get all the moisture out of the stone. Then it's sprayed with the polyester. Then it's stuck into another oven for drying. And in, in some cases, it's put in under vacuum. So in addition to drying, it's also under a vacuum, which means that that resin is going to actually penetrate a lot deeper. Not necessarily all the way through the stone like most people would think. And of course, you know, that depends on the porosity of the material, but it does penetrate into it pretty pretty good. And then it goes through the drying process again, curing, if you will, and then on to the polishing phase. Now, back in the, I would say, late 70s, early 80s, uh, there was some resin stones out there. Some of the more brittle stones were resin, but it wasn't really that popular. However, today, go into any stone yard, and you will find the majority of the granites, especially, that are out there are now being resined. I don't know what the figure is. If anyone happens to know what the percentage is, I know Stone World has a import and export type data in their magazine every month, but I don't think they break it down by resin materials versus unresin materials. So, you know, it, it's it, it's becoming more and more and more prevalent. You see more resin granites, uh, especially for um, you know, some of the exotics that are out there. And and that brings me to, you know, why have we started doing this? You know, why have we started resining these materials? Well, first of all, if some of you old timers like me, you know, go back 30 or 40 years and you'd walk into a stone yard or a fabrication shop or someone basically was selling you a kitchen countertop, you would see marble upon marble upon marble upon limestones and you know maybe a a dozen types of granite go into that same yard or newer yards today and what do you see mostly granite granite quartzites uh and and in some in a lot of cases not just some cases in a lot of cases it's uh it's a lot less marble so why well the varieties are greater the varieties that we have today, we didn't see 30, 40 years ago, not because they weren't available, but because we couldn't ship them without them breaking and cracking. So what the resin does is it temporarily strengthens the material, bonds it together so they can pack it nice and tight so it can be shipped, and now we see all these exotic materials that we see. Uh, the resining process can also... Um, add some color and depth to a stone. So you could take a blah stone, for example, and bring out the color. It's kind of like taking a, a honed stone, if you will, and adding a color enhancer to it. That's what some of these resins will do, is add that to it. Now, one of the advantages that I, I tend to be a little leery of that when I say this, and that is the claim that resining strengthens the stone. Now, why am I leery about that? Well, if you look at the chemistry of polyesters, and I I think I may have mentioned this on one other show, but polyesters are very sensitive to UV light and moisture. So imagine taking a granite and resining it with a polyester resin and putting it on an outdoor barbecue in Texas or Southern California, Arizona or Florida, 
you know, exposed to all that UV light and that hot sun, over time, it's not only going to discolor, it's going to break down and become brittle. Now, I remember years ago, I was doing a seminar on this very topic at one of the trade shows, and I had mentioned that my prediction is that not only are you going to see issues with the resining process, but you're also going to see countertops that are going to become brittle and start cracking. And at that time, I said, I haven't seen that yet. Well, after the seminar was over, and we're talking maybe 10 years ago, after the seminar was over, I had a couple of fabricators come up to me and said, Fred, we're already seeing this problem, especially with outdoor barbecues and, and outdoor materials where the stone is becoming so brittle. And, you know, a, a way to think about this is if some of you have taken, you know, a piece of PVC pipe, you know, that white PVC pipe you buy at Home Depot or Lowe's, you put it outside for the summer, you know, let it sit in the sun for three or four months, and at the end of the summer you can tap it with a hammer and what? It becomes brittle. It just becomes cracked. That's what's going to happen, in my opinion, to these countertops, and we're starting to see that over and over again. Um, until the chemistry gets to the point where they can make polyester resins that are UV-resistant or UV-proof, I think you're going to continue to see this because there's a lot of stone out there, uh, and I know I'm jumping ahead and getting into the disadvantages here, but another advantage to get myself back on track is it does provide less porosity. So in many cases, and you fabricators can see this when you throw a, a resin slab on your saw and you start to cut it, and the water just kind of beads off it and flows right off it, and the stone doesn't even get dark. That's because that particular slab is resin, and it's acting as a, as a sealer. Uh, another thing it will do is prevent what we used to call in the restoration business gritting, G-R-I-T-I-N-G. And gritting happens to oh, materials like uh, uh, giallos that uh, when you rub your hand across them, you feel like sand is coming off. And I've had customers complain that, you know, I had this new countertop installed. I rub my hand across it and I can feel all this grit. And it's not grout. It's just that the material is falling apart. It's, you know, it's very loosely bound granite. And in those days, we used to go in there and resin those materials on site, which is a pain in the butt, uh, using a penetrating resin. Well, today, because the resin is done in the factory, you're not seeing that that particular problem. So those are some of the advantages. I think you're going to see whatever the percentage is now, and I would guess, you know, if I had a, someone had put me in a corner and said, Fred, get how much of the granite that's coming into the U.S. right now, and, and granites that are in the U.S., are being resin. I would I would be safe to say 70% at least. It might be higher, but my guess would be 70%. And again, if we have any uh, quarries out there listening or or stone distributors, and uh, I'm wrong on that figure, you know, feel free to call into the show here. Uh, let me give out that number in case anybody has a question as we're going along here. Uh, the call-in number is 323-870-3968. That's 323-870. 3968 if you have a question, a comment, uh, a suggestion, or whatever on what we're talking about today, or any other problems uh, for, for that matter when it comes to stone and tile. You can also send me an email at fhuston at gmail.com. That's F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N at gmail.com. I'm on Facebook. Uh, just look up Stone Forensics. You can uh, send it on Messenger. I have my Facebook page open right now. So if you want to go ahead and message me a question or a comment, that's that's fine as well. So those are basically your advantages. Now let's talk about the disadvantages because 
this is what I do. I do inspections. Uh, I look at failures, and I don't get called in to look at good stuff. I rarely get a call that says, hey, Fred, come look at this countertop. Come look at this floor. It looks great. Well, honestly, I do get those occasionally from fabricator and installation friends, but most of the time I'm called in because something's gone wrong. And in the case of resining, now we're not talking about doctored stone or dyed stone yet. We're talking about resining. Here are some of the disadvantages that I found. One I've already mentioned, and that is it darkens over time. Uh, a lot of these resins, especially with your light-colored granites, they will darken over time. And I remember years ago, I have a buddy of mine out has a stone shop out in Colorado, and he had some large slabs outside, and he had some smaller pieces of that same material leaning up against the larger slabs. And they sat there for a couple of months. And when he took the smaller slab away, he noticed that behind the smaller slabs, the granite was lighter in color. And uh, it's because all that resin is being exposed to outdoors to UV light. So you fabricators out there and stone shops out there that are, in, that are storing this resin stone outside, and I don't care whether you're in Florida or whether you're in, you know, Massachusetts, you know, UV light is UV light. Obviously, it's more intense here uh, in the southern states, but uh, it will darken it. This was in uh, lighten it. I'm sorry, this is, or darken it in some cases, lighten it in others, but in most cases, darken it. And this was happened to be in Colorado. So what I would suggest you do is store your slabs either indoors if you can. If you can't, store them face to face or cover them up so this doesn't happen because it can be a real problem. The second issue and second disadvantage is when you bring that material in a profile. So let's say you have a slab or two that's sitting outside. It's exposed to the sunlight. You're not going to notice what's going to happen with that slab. It's going to darken. It's going to darken slowly over time, and you think it's perfectly fine. The customer comes in. They happen to like that color. They choose it. You lay out their kitchen, you template it, etc. You bring the slab indoors. You put it on your saw. You cut it. Now you put a profile on it. And guess what? You can't get the profile to match the top. The color just isn't dark enough. And that's what we call lighter edge. And the reason you have that is because what you've opened up is exposed, wasn't exposed to the UV light. The top was exposed to UV light. So now you have uh, a lighter color. Now, there are products out there that can you know, temporarily darken them down. 10X has one called Ager, uh, Ager Tagger, which I've used a ton of times. It's very, very good. Uh, it, it will solve that problem. But uh, if you don't do that or if you're not aware of that, you can be sitting there scratching your head because I get calls from fabricators all the time that say, you know, what did I do wrong? Did I use the right polishing pads? Am I polishing it correctly? And in most cases, they are. They're doing everything correctly. It's just that that what they're seeing on the edge when they polish it, they cut it and polish it, they're actually seeing the real color of the stone, not the darkened resin that sits on the surface of the material. Um, yeah, now I, I got in trouble for this next one from a, a manufacturer of a sealer because I had gotten a couple of calls and had personally seen certain sealers, you know, especially some of the, um, the solvent-based impregnators react with the resins and this individual owned this company called me up actually wrote me a letter complaining that hey our sealers don't do this you know blah 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 so let me clarify what i mean by certain sealers will react with the with the resins now keep in mind we're dealing with a natural stone you know in this case let's say granite now we add a man-made process to it which is applying the resin a ton of things can go wrong 
you know, that the couldn't be cured properly. The hardener's not mixed properly. Uh, you know, a contaminated polyester, there, there's dozens and dozens of things that can go wrong during the application and curing of the resin. And in most cases, when I've seen this sealer problem, especially the solvent-based sealers, react with the resin, it's because something's wrong with the resin. And that's what we've done in the natural stone industry. We've introduced a man-made process into it, which opens up a whole other uh, bag of problems, of course, simply because uh, of the man-made process. You know, mistakes are made. We are humans, and we, you know, we make mistakes. Even in the automated machines uh, that do this particular process, things can go wrong. Machines can break down. Uh, things can happen. And I've seen that. I've gone into shops where you can see that all the resin wasn't polished off the surface of the slab, and in some cases where the slab is actually really sticky. Uh, because the resin isn't cured properly, so you know, all kinds of issues that that can that can happen there. So you can get some reactions not only with solvent-based sealers, but also with alcoholic drinks, uh, other type of acidic solutions, uh, even alkaline solutions, depending on how the resin is cured and if it's done properly or improperly, I should say. Uh, another problem is when you're face polishing, and for your restoration guys out there, and I'm sure a lot of you can, you know, say, hey, Fred, you're right here. Some of them can be really difficult to match the polish because in some cases there's a very thin layer of resin that sits on the surface of the stone, and then you go to polish it and you take that resin off, and now you're trying to match what that resin what that resin looks like. So uh, that, can, that can be a problem. And I'll, I'll tell you how to tell if a slab is resin in a second here. But let me get to the other, other problem that I've run into. And these are, for those of you that are using what we call chemical anchors, you have to be extremely careful with the type of glue that you're using now. Let me explain what a chemical anchor is. These are the anchors that mount to the underside of the, the granite where you attach your sink. It's usually a flat plate with holes in it, and it's got a little you know, threaded stud sticking out, and it's glued to the underside to put your clip on and, and mount the sink. And I've seen a lot of failures with these chemical anchors because you chose the wrong glue. Either the glue was outdated, you used a, a glue that interacts with the resins and the, the granite itself. Uh, a story I always like to tell is that uh, one of the companies that was selling not only the anchors but also the resin, when I was at this one trade show, had two samples. One was on a piece of engineered stone, one was on a piece of granite. Same anchor different types of material, but the color of the glue was different. And I asked, why the difference? And what they told me is, well, we noticed that the glue we use on the granite can't be used on the engineered material because it reacts with the resins in the engineered material and it doesn't stick. Well, guess what? We're using similar resins, polyester resins, in granite that's resin. So we ended up with the same problem. So... Uh, I'm not sure they still make two glues like that. I don't think they do, but just make sure you use the proper glue. Make sure it's an, an epoxy, a urethane, or a urethane based. Um, don't do not use a polyester glue to uh, attach your sink anchors because they will eventually break down and become become brittle. Um, so those are your disadvantages, and and I have. I've got all kinds of, uh, of photographs that, you know, if you attend my seminar, we actually go into a lot of detail for this. But, you know, how do you tell you're dealing with a resin, resin slab? Well, first of all, you can go by the age. You know, if it's a very, very old countertop, chances are it's probably not resin. If you're in a shop and you're in a stone yard, you can see that the slab is resin because usually you can see drip marks on the side of the stone. 
So you, you can look at it and say, oh, well, that's resin. But let's say you're going into a customer's house and you're looking at a countertop. I mean, you're not going to have drip marks. How do you tell? Well, there's several ways. Uh, the first way would be to actually look under the sink, you know, under the counter, I'm sorry, and see if you can see any of the underside of the stone exposed. Sometimes you can tell there. What I've done in the past is take a torch, if I can get to the underside somewhere, and just lightly place the torch under the underside of the, the, uh, the slab, and you will get a distinct polyester smell. And if you don't know what that is, take some polyester glue, let it cure, and take a torch to it, and you'll, you'll see that it's a plastic-type type odor. Uh, if you get that type of odor, which will not occur on unresin stone, you definitely have a resin, a resin material. Now, you could take chemicals like methylene chloride or real strong solvent, place it in a corner somewhere, let it sit for a while, and it may dissolve the resin, but where are you going to do this on someone's countertop? So uh, that's really not, not a really, really good way to do it. You could throw water on it, and if it beads up, that's just going to tell you it's sealed. It could be not sealed, and it could have resin on there. So uh, you, need to be, you need to be really careful there. So those are some of the disadvantages and some of the issues I'm seeing with resin-based stone. So repairing it, uh, if you have an issue with, as I already mentioned, uh, I would go ahead and use uh, the products like the 10X Ager or Ager Tagger. Uh, they've got similar products that, that, are, that are used for darkening and in some cases even dyeing back the stone. Uh, I would take a look at that, and hey, this week is covering, so if any of you are out there listening to this and you're at coverings, definitely stop by and see my buddy Brian Gambrell at 10X, and uh, I'm sure he'll be happy to uh, go over his product line with you, but they, they've got some great products. There's your shameless plug, Brian. <laughs> anyway, uh, one little trick I did find out about fixing an edge like that is if the edge is already polished, you may want to open it up, you know, take a 400 or even a 120 grit, open it up, get the pores open, and then apply your your, your ager, uh, let it dry real good, let it cure, and then go ahead and polish it back up and probably reapply it again uh, after, the, after the fact. Um, I want to talk next about doctored stone. And this has been going on for a year, years and years and years and years, as long as I can remember. Uh, and it seems to be getting, um, becoming more and more of a problem. And this has happened, it has happened a lot in the past with a lot of the black absolute materials, especially coming out of China, especially coming out of India. And it's a problem because sometimes, in most cases I should say, not sometimes, the dye that they use uh, wears off. It comes off. I, I've had some cases. I remember a large condominium complex in Las Vegas many years ago. They had done, I don't know, three or 400 condos with black absolute granite everywhere, countertops, bathrooms, you name it. And you could literally take a dry white rag and wipe the surface of the stone and get black on, the, uh, on your rag. Uh, so it was definitely a problem. And in this case, I had to laugh because they had put the granite out for bid to several local fabricators, and they came back with some prices. And uh, they decided they were going to go to China and buy prefabricated slabs and at you know a tenth of the cost. And they got what they're paid for, in my, in my opinion. Uh, you know, you, you, you know, which, they, they'll never learn. But anyway, I got called in to inspect that, and that's what the problem was. Now. How do you tell if a stone is is dyed? And again, I'm not talking black absolute. There are other stones now that are also being dyed, not only dyed, but colored. 
not only color enhancement with these dyes, but actually colors are, are being put in there. And the problem with that is you put that on a kitchen countertop and, you know, Mrs. Jones goes in there and starts using, you know, some cleaners that she shouldn't be using. And even cleaners that she should be using sometimes over time will literally work that dye out. And now you get all these light-colored blotches that are occurring across the countertop. The best way to tell is, and you may want to write this down, you need two chemicals. You need, a, you need acetone and you need a chemical called MEK, methyl ethyl ketone. And what you want to do is take the acetone, place it on a clean white rag and wipe a small area and look to see if you get any color transfer on the back of the rag. If you do, you've got dye. If you don't, you still may have dye, but the acetone's not reacting with the dye. So now you take another clean white rag, you take another area, you put the MEK on there, you wipe it and see if you got transfer. And if you got transfer in either in either case, you definitely have a dyed countertop. So what do you do at that point in time? Well, uh, there are dyes out there where you can redye it, but the problem with that is they're going to be temporary. Uh, now you get into a, a, a battle uh, with the with the fabricator, and the fabricator may get into a battle with the distributor, and the distributor may get into a battle with the with the supplier. Uh, or the quarry that's doing it, and I've had I've had them outright deny they're doing it, and have actually caught them red-handed, you know, dyeing the materials. I actually show several interesting slides, you know, in in my seminar that that covers that. So you know that's the only way you can really uh, fix that fix that. You know, you you could use more acetone and more MEK and take all the dye out. All right, the phone number here is three two three. 8703968 that's 3238703968 and I'm about to wrap things up here unless anyone has a uh, has some some questions on this particular uh, topic or as I said any topic that has to do with uh with stone or or tile. Now, someone had asked me one time about, you know, our floor tiles now being dyed. And uh, quite honestly, I haven't seen a lot of that going on yet, but I have seen some. And the problem we run into is that this this, you know, it, I've been told by someone that was very knowledgeable with black absolute quarries, and if this is wrong, please call in and let me know or send me an email. And that is uh, where a lot of the black absolute material comes out of in India, there are several different grades, if you will, types. Some of them have a very light-colored, whitish-type color. Some of them almost like a chocolate-brown color. And then you have that really dark, jet-black premium material. And what they do is they take that grayish material and they darken it and then try to pawn it off as the as the premium material and charge you more money for it. And uh, uh, as that supply weakens and as that supply becomes less and less, you're, it's probably why we're seeing more and more of that. We're seeing more and more of the, you know, inexpensive, uh, more common black absolute materials that don't have that jet black type appearance being sold as as jet black type materials. So. What it, what it all boils down to, uh, ladies and gentlemen, is that you, you need to be educated. You need to, you know, be aware of what's going on in the industry, uh, and make sure, you know, you're aware of the things that happen. You can do that listening to this radio show. You can do it looking at my blogs. You can do that, you know, subscribing to the magazines that are out there, uh, going to the trade shows, um, attending my seminars and other seminars as well. Uh, and just you know, keeping keeping up to date on some of the changes that are that are occurring. I mean, many years ago, there wasn't a lot of changes in our industry, and 
As a matter of fact, I was doing a, a seminar for a private company the other day showing them how to uh, restore some terrazzo. And uh, they, they asked me, they said, you know, how long have you been in the business? And I said, well, I've been over in business over 30 years. And they said, have you seen much change? And I had to stop and think for a moment. And I said, well, it depends on where you see the change. In the fabrication industry, yes. Uh, we've seen a lot more automation. We've seen CNCs come into play. Water jets come into play, you know, over the years. So the technology is improving there. But when it comes to, you know, polishing and refinishing, it's pretty much been the same. You know, back in the old days, I used stones. Today, we use diamonds and various other types of abrasives, so, but we're still basically doing the same thing. You know, we're smoothing the stone and polishing it to the desired finish, and those techniques really haven't changed all, you know, all, the, all that much. Uh, a little bit, you know, some new technology, you know, coming into play. Uh, of course, you have technology, new technology with chemicals, but some of the new technology, as we've discussed in this show, for example, with resining and doctoring, is a good thing and a bad thing at the same time. You see a lot more problems because now we've introduced a man-made process into the, to the whole ball of wax. All right, folks, I think I'm going to wrap things up from, for today. Uh, again, if you have any questions, feel free to email me at fhuston, F-H-U-E-S-T-O-N, at G mail.com uh, go ahead and subscribe to my video blog I'll send you that link if you send me an email to that email um, doing one of those every week uh, don't forget my seminar coming up June 17th through the 20th and uh, we've got some exciting uh, interviews coming up and if anyone's listening that would like to be interviewed on the show uh, I've got something interesting to share to the Stone and Tile community. Uh, definitely uh, send me an email or give me a telephone call. I'm more than happy to set you up for an interview. All right, folks, I'm not sure there's going to be a show next week or not. I may have to uh, uh, run uh, on an inspection, which is going to keep me uh, not at this time frame. But, uh, you know, keep an eye on the website. Keep an eye on on, um, on my Facebook page especially, and we'll let you know whether that show is going to happen or not. So until next, next week or next time, I should say, this is Fred Houston with the Stone and Tile Show. Everyone have a great day.